Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Kelsey Zeiser. I'm a senior editor at Light Reading. Hi, I'm David Eckert. I'm the VP of Strategy and Technology for North America. Well, thanks for joining me, David. We are actually sitting at Nokia's offices um, in Raleigh. Uh, For those of you familiar with the area, it's near Crabtree Valley Mall. And we'll get more into the location in a bit because that's kind of important to this story. But before we do that, David, tell me a little bit about yourself and your role at Nokia. Absolutely. So, yeah, so uh, I'm running the strategy technology for for all of North America. And uh, my past is uh, very much rooted in access. And uh, from uh, when I started here in Raleigh, uh, I was an ASIC designer, designing some of the earliest uh, chipsets uh, for uh, BPON and GPON, the XGS, all the, the acronym soup of all the PON <laughs> technology. So, uh, so, so we've definitely have, have seen it. Uh, and, and from there, I did uh, standards uh, work uh, within the ITU, uh, and then became CTO for, uh, for for fixed networks. So oversaw a lot of the technology uh, development. Uh, uh, within the last, uh, the last over the last decade, so incredible changes, uh, fantastic time to be part of Access because, uh, uh, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, it's it's uh, we've just realized how incredibly important the Access network really is for 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 our. our our lives. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, that's a great point about the um, pandemic. I think we <laughs> realized how reliant we are. Absolutely. And it. I think what's amazing is just to see how resilient and uh, the, the access, uh, all the network has has, has been. Uh, yeah, this, thank uh, goodness. Unfor- unfortunate time <laughs> in our lives. Yeah, with all those Zoom calls and video games and also trying to work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's very helpful. Um, so David and I initially met at uh, Starbucks <laughs> over, <laughs> but again, if you're familiar with Raleigh, it's k- kind of near. I'd say Wake Forest and Six Forks, right? That yep. that kind of area, um, and so that Starbucks was not always a Starbucks. That's right. Tell us what was there before. Yeah, so <laughs> you know, many many years ago, uh, you know, in this area. Um, you know, telecommunications and the telecommunications industry has, has deep roots in this in this area, mm-hmm. and at the time, uh, it was the, the the original site for ITT uh, for Alcatel, um, and uh, that was where we started Fiber to the Home. Uh, we were a very very small team of uh, new college grads uh, that were asked to kind of do a moonshot program, and uh, we were. You know, given uh, very little to, to work with because at the time uh, it was during the the, 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 the dot com boom and DSL was was the big uh, was what was driving uh, so much of the development and so the entire most of the building was dedicated to uh, uh, to DSL development and so we were given like the loading docks we were literally working on the loading <laughs> In docks the garage pretty it, much. It, it really was it truly was a garage type of project right uh, so but we, we started there very small team uh, but then over time we, we just kept growing and growing and um, uh, you know we we developed all the new the pond technologies based off some of the great work that our colleagues in Europe had been doing uh, for for a decade before uh, around uh, fiber of the home and, and, and fiber access technology so uh, leveraging you know all the work that they've done but then taking it and productizing it just like we did with DSL and so we, we repeated the successes from DSL 
onto fiber, and mm -hmm. here we are. Yeah, well, we all know that there's been a lot of great uh, tech innovation in garages, so not a bad place to start. Absolutely, uh, it's yeah, lots of uh, again, lots of uh, great stories to be told from that. But when we talked about to meet, I uh, thought, hey, this is a fantastic place, and uh, so yeah, we you know where we were literally sitting was at the parking lot where I would park my car uh, and walk uh, into uh, to the loading dock. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> and um, thanks, David, for shared a picture with me of what that lab used to look like, and we'll include that um, in the show notes. So yeah, that we, had, we had like two thousand over two thousand people. You know, we had manufacturing. It was a it was a a, a huge uh, operation at the time. Yeah, and so now um, give us uh, you know a little insight into how this we'll we'll say newer lab. I think you said this one's been here about twenty years. Yeah. Um, but what are some of the significant changes between you know kind of where you started and, and where this lab is today? Yeah, so I mean, what's happened over those those twenty years is that we have uh, number one uh, industrialized and, and commercialized uh, this product. Uh, this is where you know GPON was born. This is where uh, you know we supported some of the you know the largest uh, tier one customers from from this site. Mm -hmm. uh, so whether it be in Australia, whether it's in China, whether it's in Europe, or here of course here in North America, uh, this is the, this was the site that supported all the fiber of the home uh, deployments. But as time has gone on, more and more of that has moved to different sites, uh, you know, in terms of the, the, the R&D, because again, you have to follow where the talent is at, you have to follow where the, the customers are at. Mm -hmm. um, but in addition to that, what's happened is that the way that we develop software, the way that we develop products, um, has allowed us to continue to allow us to do it in more remote type of locations. So as we looked at the lab, you know, we used to have a tremendous amounts of lab capacity, and that required power, required right. uh, you know cooling and so forth. That you know costs a lot of money. Uh, but now much of that development, much of the testing is is done virtually mm -hmm. because uh, we're able to uh, to put it in the quote unquote clouds. I'm putting my my air quotes up <laughs> uh, into the cloud. Um, it has, it's allowed us to, to have you know, tremendous gains of efficiency when it comes to uh, doing software development. So, you know, this facility has has has, has morphed well along with those type of paradigm shifts and the way we do development. Yeah, and a good thing too. I mean, you, we we talked about the pandemic briefly, but um, you know, when I was doing a tour of the lab, you mentioned that uh, folks are able to continue their work pretty seamlessly um, virtually and, and without testing missing a beat. Yeah, I mean, uh, and you know. Again, because of the way that we used to, that we did do software development, it was very uh, much you know we had to actually have the physical uh, boxes in front of us, uh, whether we were in the lab or even at our desk. So we had a lot of uh, uh, hardware physically present. But again, as we move more and more things to, to container uh, containerized software, to you know, again uh, more modular software design. Most of the testing that we've had to do, the really ruggedized testing, has to be more on the management plane. And so we're able to, to do that uh, uh, more remotely and more virtually than ever before. Mm -hmm. uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that we, we have to forego everything because we actually still need to have physical boxes, physical hardware to actually do the true you know, stress testing uh, on, on the, let's say, the data plane. So the Spire test sets that we have, you know, pushing 
gigabits and gigabits of, of traffic for months on end uh, across a battery of you know hundreds, if not thousands, of ONTs. And thankfully, because of this type of paradigm shift, we're able to have moved uh, more and more of the hardware out of the lab and decommission it and, and focus more on testing things more virtually. Mm -hmm. And so, what are some other things that uh, you know your customers are coming um, to the lab or, or accessing the facilities to um, try out, or, or what kind of dem demos are you working on with your customers here? Yeah, so you know, one of the things that uh, that you saw today was our integration lab, where we want to we, we allow customers to come in, uh, and some of the customers uh, have not deployed Pond before. They they don't have the IT systems or the OSS BSS systems in place, and so there's a lot more integration they have to work through and, and work on. Uh, and so our team, uh, our, our, our staff members uh, in that lab allow them to come on hands-on uh, to, to, to do the training, to do some of the integration, we also support other uh, customers who do have those pond networks and those access networks to, again, come in, do the integration, evaluate the technology, uh, bring in their configurations and, and so forth uh, to do it. Now, unfortunately, because of the, the pandemic, uh, you know, labs were closed. Uh, we were not, you know, we weren't allowing customers to come to us and they weren't allowing us to go to them. So we had to come up with other ingenious ways to, to figure out how to support that. So you, you saw the, the, the kind of the travel kit. And again, our 25 gig pond story was actually, it's in that travel kit. So we can actually ship out uh, these uh, these kits to our customers for them to actually uh, demo and trial. And it's a, it's a fully, you know, pond in a box, I guess you could say. <laughs> I like it's it. fully, fully, uh, you know, literally plug into the wall and, and away you go. And you have all the testing capabilities uh, and, and so forth. So uh, so we've had to adapt with, uh, with the conditions. But uh, again, fundamentally, uh, this facility and the teams here uh, are supporting uh, the customers around the world, specifically uh, you know, also here in, in, in the U.S., because again, tremendous amount of activity with fiber deployment here in the, in the U.S. And again, all different types of customers from the very large tier one customers all the way down to electric co-ops uh, and uh, you know, just all different walks of life that we support here in this uh, facility. Yeah, and supporting um, you know legacy, and also um, you know we we talked about you know, the move to virtualization, and in the lab we were even testing um, you know calling <laughs> some rotary phones. But gosh, I can't remember the last time I saw a rotary phone. <laughs> and, and that's and that's that's the really uh, that's the challenge that we have as a, as a vendor. Mm -hmm. um, it, we love we love to uh, you know talk about uh, the new technology. Look, I'm a technologist. I, I just I mean I, look. I I love to spend time uh, pontificating about all the, the <laughs> wonderful stuff uh, out there. But at the end of the day, our customers require, um, they need to know that the services that they have deployed, that they're truly making money with, they're going to continue to, to recognize that revenue. We can't turn it off. And so what we showed was, you know, we still have rotary phones. We still have DTMF phones. That's not, I mean, it's... You know, I can't tell you how many people actually have a rotary phone, but <laughs> guess what? We have to, it's, it's part of what we have to look at and test. And so, yeah, you, you saw it uh, on a 25 gig pond network, the latest technology that's, uh, that's shipping with the oldest technology from, you know, 
a century ago, right? right. Uh, that, that we support this all, you know, on the current current boxes. Yeah, um, and then you know, what are your thoughts on uh, the with the next gen pond technology? Would be uh, we spoke a lot this morning about 25 gig, 50 gig, NG pond two. Um, where are we headed, and, and what's yeah. Nokia? You know, the way we look at it is, you know, we want to provide to our customers a a little toolbox of technologies and solutions and products for them to build their network. And, you know, I was, when I was CTO for the the division, uh, we really pushed on, you know, NGPON2. We thought this was the right, the the next right, the, the next step. Challenges. Uh, there are lots of technical challenges around NGPON2. Some have been, many have been solved. Uh, some are still a, a challenge that, again, equates to a cost, uh, uh, a certain cost. Mm-hmm. But um, the market was pushing us to support 25 gig, um, and so this is one of the re- this is the reason why we, we we brought 25 gig, brought the MSA because we had customers saying, look. I want to leverage the billions of dollars that I'm investing in my fiber plant. I want to be able to put on top of that network, not just residential, but you know, commercial services, business services, enterprise, backhaul. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was the, the impetus for, for why we needed to look at 25 gig, because they wanted to be able to provide 10 gig circuits to their customers. XGS Pond is a, is a fantastic ton, technology. It's 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 come into its uh, place. It's uh, widely shipping today. It doesn't support a 10 gig bit uni because again the the, the payload throughput on XGS is you know eight and a half uh, or so gigabits. Mm-hmm. But with uh, 25 gig Pond with over subscription, we can support you know multiple 10 gig circuits to our customers, and that's what they're looking to support to provide to their customers. 50 gig, 100 gig, absolutely. We've we've demonstrated 100 gig pond uh, with uh, customers in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, is it ready for prime time and and, and, and wide deployment? Not yet. Uh, 50 gig, yeah, we're absolutely part of it. The standardization efforts, uh, we you know from a product standpoint, we've we've done work with it as well. Uh, is it ready for prime time? I don't think so. Not yet. Not quite yet. I mean, because it requires additional. Uh, capabilities in terms of amplifications, in terms of uh, di- digital signal processing, uh, it, it will come. It will come. But the challenge with the access market, it, it's all about cost, and uh, and it's all about legacy and backwards compatibility. And so that is what uh, 25 gig uh, is going to allow us to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, another thing that we looked at this morning was uh, some fixed wireless access technology. Um, tell us a little bit about what what Nokia has on tap for FWA. What you're working on there? Yeah, no, it's uh, you know, it's again another uh, incredible technology that uh, has really come into its own. I mean, for such a long time, uh, fixed wireless access, as we look to to let's like, say 4G or maybe even 3G, but definitely 4G, it, it was. You know, it was a um, kind of extension of you know, uh, let's say DSL, where you know you needed capacity, uh, but it was still fairly low cost and low uh, capabilities. But as, as 5G is now becoming uh, more and more ubiquitous, uh, it's opening up new opportunities for operators to to monetize that. You know, if I look at fiber, you know, there's there, there will be places where fiber just does not make economic sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's just call it, you know, 80, 85 percent of, of geography here in the U.S. 
will be reachable by fiber. But that last 15, maybe 20%, it's going to be really, really expensive to, to, to make that happen. And are those uh, more like rural areas? It's that... rural. It's It could be very urban areas as mm -hmm. well. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's just where economically it's just not going to make sense. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in, in some cases, you know, there will be uh, government funding that will try to close that gap, but it's going to be kind of the last part that will right. uh, will get it. There are other technologies, and FWA is, a, is again, a, a fabulous technology to be able to connect that, you know, we'll say unconnected or even underconnected or underserved uh, population. But we also, it's also enabling, you know, other types of operators to uh, tap into new revenue streams that they, they didn't necessarily have before. So uh, those who are mobile operators are now able to offer you know, multi hundred uh, you know, megabit uh, you know, services to their customers uh, in addition to their the mobility services. Uh, these operators have spent billions of dollars on spectrum uh, and they'll be continuing to have more spectrum coming online. Uh, and this is one of the first use cases of 5G is, a, is this enhanced mobile broadband. Uh, and so we have operators who have taken advantage of that. So FWA, again, it's just another tool in the toolkit that uh, our customers are wanting to, to, to uh, you know, leverage and to deploy. Yeah. And so looking ahead, what are you most excited about in terms of FWA and 25 um, GigPon? And uh, what kind of services do you think that these technologies will enable? Well, you know, I'm just amazed of how far we've come. Uh, you know, I, I remember as a young, again, I was a young engineer <laughs> at the time. Uh, I was having dinner. Uh, I was lucky enough to have dinner down in uh, uh, at AT&T. Uh, it was at the time, I think it was Keith Cameron was uh, heading AT&T Labs at the time. And I just luckily, you know, stumbled into the, 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 the dinner we were having to with, with, with AT&T. And, and the last chair was sitting beside Keith Cameron. So I sat down, I told him what I did, and he looked at me and he said, you know, you guys are going to be changing the world. Uh, and little did I know how much this would, in, would, would, would change the world. Um, if I look going forward, I, I still see new, such new opportunities that we will be opening up, uh, be it beyond residential, with commercial enterprise, with mobile transport. We're, we're allowing, you know, operators to provide that you know, instantaneous, you know, infinite amount of bandwidth, almost seemingly infinite amount of bandwidth with low latency connectivity to, to their customers. And so the number of applications and use cases uh, that will come about is just, uh, it's, to me, it's just uh, almost unimaginable because it's, it's just, we're, we're, we're providing this proverbial garage, this large garage, and at some point we're going to continue to keep filling it. And, and when you have, you know, this infinite amount of capacity and this low latency connectivity uh, and it's ubiquitous, it's going to be, uh, I think the types of use cases that come about are, are just going to be fantastic. So I think it's just, uh, uh, we, we have to continue to keep pushing more and more fiber deployment because now with, with fiber, you know, people don't think about their, 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 their broadband connectivity anymore because it's, it's literally like, uh, it's, 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 it's part of their lives, but it's, it's, uh, it's instantaneous. It's just, it's always there, it's always on.
Yeah. Now I think sometimes instead of uh, the connection, I'm like, is it my phone? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the application. Else? No, yeah, yeah. It should be working. Yeah. Um, and then just to, to wrap up, you know, you mentioned uh, government funding earlier. What are your thoughts on, uh, you know, can you speak to Noki's plans at all in terms of the U.S. Infrastructure Fund? What are you looking forward to there? Yeah, I think with the Infrastructure Fund, uh, you know, it's, it's a, uh, again, an opportunity for this the, the, the nation to uh, to deploy uh, you know this type of connectivity and to to bring it to you know all points in this country uh, both fiber as well as fixed wireless access we need to make sure that you know we're not prescribing too heavily one technology over another because again let the market decide which technology is going to be the most applicable for those uh, Different to deployment to medium. So, again, you know, if we look into the tool toolbox that we have and, and that the industry has now, uh, we have multiple ways to achieve you know this you know, multi-gigabit instantaneous bandwidth, low latency type of connectivity. Um, so Nokia, you know, what we're doing is we are focusing on on how do we uh, you know drive this type of. Uh, uh, connectivity and, and provide the solutions that are going to be needed, uh, even in this environment where we have such difficult supply chain challenges, uh, we have uh, you know different regulatory challenges and so forth. Uh, but the, the need is still there. Um, you know, through the pandemic, you know they say that you know it takes 60 days to, to to form new habits. Well, we've been in this pandemic for two years, right? So, you know, the reliance on the connectivity is just is part is, again it's part of our lives. It's part of our children's lives, uh, and it will it will always be there. Uh, and so we, you know, from Nokia, we're going to continue to, to support our customers, uh, both the very largest of customers, as well as supporting uh, those customers who n may not have necessarily built networks in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, be it you know, guys who, uh, who are electrical co-ops, who are you know, utility companies, who are, uh, you know, through private equity. There's a number of different players coming to this market who need help uh, to, 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 to onboard these networks and to, and to bring them to, to life. So it's not just Nokia. We're working with our, our partners uh, who are you know, building uh, the passive plants, who are doing construction. Uh, we're going to build. We're going to bring a, a full solution to the industry to to help accelerate uh, uh, the deployment of, of, of uh, ultra gigabit uh, broadband capabilities to. Uh, to, to all points in this country. Yeah. Well, sounds good. Um, Dave, thanks so much for joining me I'm on the podcast. I'm glad you were able podcast. to come. Yeah, it was great to um, do the tour, and we'll definitely love to come back in the future and see what you're up to today. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much.